Hello. Welcome to True with me, Gerard Hector and Coach David Thorpe. How are you, sir? I am uh, I'm moving along. It's just going to be <laughs> a rough next month or so. The, the first round of the playoffs. And I've got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, there's going to be sleep will be at a premium, but it's a, we, good, it's a good time to be busy. We, we, we talked about this, that this is the time of year, particularly in the first round of the postseason, because that's when you have the most teams, obviously, right? And so there are games literally every night, and not just one, multiple games every night, right? And so you literally got to, the schedule comes out, and it's like, what am I watching live? What am I going to watch on Synergy or whatever I choose to watch it on the next morning, right? Because this is this will drive you nuts. I'm looking at the Saturday schedule already. I'm like, all right, Philly, the early game at one, Warriors tip at 8.30. Back in my younger days, David, in my 20s, I'd be like, yeah, I could probably sit all day and watch all four of those games. That ain't happening. That's, I'm probably going to go to the Philly game, yeah, Philly-Brooklyn game yeah. one, and then we'll see what happens when I when I get home from Philly that night. I, I just got a note from my wife just now. I'm gonna read it <laughs> I do not want to spend every night just watching TV together now that your season's over. Maybe we'll have a magazine night, a book night, a game night, just night TV night every night. My my dear, dear wife of over 32 years doesn't understand the playoffs are every night. In her mind, I mean, listen, we uh, we try four nights a week. We have dinner at our yeah. at our dining room table, our kitchen table. We have a little bistro in our house that yeah. we sit at sometimes, and just the two of us with music on, whatever. But most nights by 7.30, I got to go watch games. The playoffs are a little bit different. Uh, I don't always have to watch guys, but before our podcast, I do. Before articles, I do. So we got to pick our spots. But we've managed to do it for – I've been doing this for 20 years now, so we'll figure yeah. it out. But uh, cool. You'll figure it I, out. T- today was not the day to send me the note that, yeah, we can't <laughs> be watching games every night. <laughs> You're like, well. Yeah, give me, well, give me two more weeks. <laughs> There's just so many games now. When you get yeah. down to the, the semifinals in the conference, yeah. Yeah. then I can – you know, again, I can watch them in synergy so fast. Exactly. Yeah. And, so, and I, I value that. I value my marriage more. But I do, I do like knowing what the hell is going on in these games. You can't just yeah. watch highlights. No, no, we, yeah. it, it's because you don't get the, the playoffs. Flavor. Yeah, we see adjustments, yeah. right? Things happen. Yeah. You got to change. You're, you're, you have one tactic, and you know we're going to double MB, and it's like maybe that's not a good idea. Well, we'll it's also that. it's also um, you know the energy you play with, and mm-hmm. that's something we're looking at. Uh, there's it's strategies in games I've noticed in years past, like LeBron not trying to score in the first quarter. Right. Sometimes that worries me a little bit because they'll be down too much to come back from. Mm-hmm. Um, the other night he did; he had thirty points in the second half of the game. Uh, he needs to engage more, but I know his body can't always. So I can't yeah. just do highlights. But whatever, this is this is a good time to be a basketball fan, in my opinion. Yeah, Starting with the playing sure. games, they'll be one and done. Yeah. I wish they were in Vegas. I wish we had like a tournament. <laughs> I really do. I really wish the playing was in one spot. Yeah, if, if they did it at like a neutral site, like in Vegas, or something that would be fun. Super that would cool. Be like, yeah, 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 that would be cool. All right, David, so the regular season ended on Sunday, and it was quite a funny day because those one, those one o'clock tips, none of those games I watched mattered. Them. I had two games <laughs> on, yeah. I was at Brooklyn, Philly, and ooh, that was an interesting game. Yeah, <laughs> um, I liked Doc it. River, Doc Rivers, before the game, we will ask him questions, and this is why media loves Doc, because Doc likes to make people laugh. Yeah. Doc, what's uh? he's like, I'm trying to get home to watch the Masters. Is John Rahm going to hold? Like, that That was He's like, Doc, if you're going to call timeouts in today's game, what's my record for least timeouts called in a game? Like right. you could, He was like, we want the clock to keep running. Well, some teams <laughs> play that way, too, like the Mavericks. <laughs> well, yeah. Jesus. We'll, we'll talk about them in a minute. Yeah. Um, but in the 3.30 game, tip games, some of those games had some real sticks yeah. in them. The New Orleans Pelicans and Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, that was for deciding who was going to be the seventh seed 
Sure enough, the Timberwolves ended up winning that game, coming back from down double digits twice in that game uh, to win. But of course, that's not the story that is the headline today. The headline today is Rudy Gobert punches Kyle Anderson in the chest during uh, a timeout on the sideline. The Minnesota Timberwolves sent Rudy Gobert home, not just in the locker room. They said, go home, leave the arena. The Timberwolves come back and ultimately win the game. They are the seventh seed. They will play the Los Angeles Lakers in L.A. on Tuesday. We'll get to that breakdown Wait, in a minute. Wait, they're playing in L.A.? Mm-hmm. So Minnesota is the eighth seed. Yes, correct. Okay, Se- sorry, what did I say? The seventh yeah, seed? Yes. Yeah. That is for the seventh That's seed. right. Yes. They're playing for the yes. seventh seed, right? Correct. So, yeah, um, look, we've seen stuff like this. Shit. We saw Draymond Green punch Jordan Poole in the face, right? Literally levitate off the ground and knock him to the ground. In practice, we saw that video came out. Draymond got sent away from the team for a little bit, whatever. Okay, Rudy punched him in the chest. And this was clearly like more of an in-game situation, right? They were arguing about, dude, can you block a shot? Well, can you grab a rebound? And then, you know, tempers flare. Competitive moment, etc. The question now is, what do the Timberwolves do? Do they, which people are reporting, do they sit him in that next game, which is possible, uh, and go to L.A. without Rudy? They're already going to be without... <laughs> Other story, Jaden McDaniels for the game because he punched the wall and he's fractured his hand and is out. Well, for the do season. we know why he punched the wall? Uh, I think he was angry for picking up a second foul. Got it. And never already- punch a wall, by the way. Uh, yes. I have a teammate in high school that did that. And we didn't have him for the championship game. It was a nightmare. And they are without Nas Reed already. David, like, this is a very unserious basketball team to me. Like, this is what I'm seeing. Yeah, I mean, collectively, that's how it comes across. It doesn't mean individually every guy is, obviously, but collectively, it's a it seems to be a real problem. And, uh, you know, I don't know how long ago, but wasn't that long ago, not a year, when they acquired Rudy, gave away up to seven picks and all of that. That's not looking good. Nope. Yeah, it's not looking good. It might be looking awful. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it, it's funny how things can change so quickly. Um, and they were playing better this second half of the season, for sure, sure. as we expected them to do mm-hmm. as they got more acclimated, of course, not having Cat for a long time. Yep. I mean, they could have really added a hell of a season if he played the whole time and figured that out earlier. And, uh, and so as for, as for how, how do they handle Rudy, well, that's what conversations have to be about. Let's talk to him. Let's get squared away. Let's get Kyle and Rudy to, to mm-hmm. say, hey, we fucked up. We'll move on. And then it could be fine. But you have to address it. And I don't think teams are great at addressing these things all the time. Uh, I will say this. Rudy, uh, Mike Conley said after the game, Rudy already sent a text to the group, the team group chat apologizing. He went out on Twitter and apologized for it. And Kyle said after the game, we're both grown men. We're competitive. Like, we'll talk and we'll move forward. Because these things, despite what fans think, they happen more common than you, more often than you realize. Guys are competitive and get pissed at each other, right? Like, and you said something to us this morning on our on our True Content call. How do teammates hold one another accountable? And is the environment where you're, of your team right to do that? Is it the right environment to allow players to hold each other accountable? It may not be right in Minnesota. I mean, it's a huge thing now the last five, 10 years in, cor- in the corporate world is accountability and holding people accountable and expressing yourself and not keeping things inside. It's, a, it's a, almost like a cottage industry from the consultant point of view. It's something mm-hmm. I even looked into doing. Um, you've, you've got to be able to talk to each other. It's something that some colleges spend a lot of time and, and even some money on bringing people in to help these younger athletes hold each other accountable. And, and just be, I'll just speak honestly, when I talk to my son, it's a conversation he and I have, and we're going to have, he's going to be, I'm going to see him in person this week. 
how are you doing holding teammates accountable? And how are, how are you handling when they do the same to you? It is a big deal in a lot of places. And in Minnesota, it, it, it didn't work out. I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't love what Kyle said, mm-hmm. but they're just words, Rudy. Mm-hmm. Like, we can't just be throwing punches because of words, mm-hmm. you know? So that, to me, suggests there's something a little deeper, darker even. Uh, or it could just be Rudy had a bad day for a million other things that are with basketball. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that they're going to lay an egg in L.A. It's just not what you want. It's not optimal. Right. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, L.A. has become a hell of a team. Mm-hmm. Not, not world beaters, but a hell of a team. You're not just going to beat them on the road um, without really probably playing very well, which they're capable of doing. This just makes it harder. Um, there's been reporting from uh, various people that, that that blow up that actually started in the locker room and spilled over. Um, and part of the stuff they're reporting is that Rudy is dealing with uh, some kind of back tightness and injury. So maybe he's not quite as mobile, able to protect the rim quite as well, quite as well. Right. So all these things that like, and again, in a, in a game where the, the team has to win, right? Yeah. They, they, no, we want, you get it. Right. It's, it's that kind of single elimination, even though you're not eliminated if you lose, but you want to control your destiny by winning. Right. Yep. So emotions are high, everybody, right. It's just, it's a tense situation. And, you know, these are things that, that, that come out sometimes in, 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 in these scenarios to your point, David, yes, it's, does the team address it? How do they move forward? But look, ultimately at the end of the day, Minnesota is not a team to me, regardless of whether they win in LA on Tuesday or they get the eight seed. They're not beating anybody in the first round to me. I don't see. <laughs> I don't think it's likely either. They certainly would be heavy underdogs, deservedly so. Whereas LA, as a seven seed, I think is capable, of, or even eight seed, Ooh. is capable of, of pulling an upset. So even though um, Minnesota could beat LA in one game, LA is the more likely team to win four games in seven. We know this in the NCAA tournament, the variability in any one game is extreme, especially when you're shooting mm-hmm. maybe a 53s in a game. Yeah, right? no, as, right. I've, as I used to always say, when Houston was playing Golden State back when Houston mm-hmm. was shooting close to 53s a game, they make 22 in any game, they're probably you're winning losing. that game. Mm-hmm. Yep, That's 66 game points that. on 22 possessions. Mm-hmm. Um, if you take 50 it, it, you're, and you get offensive rebounds, whatever, mm-hmm. like it's a problem. So yeah. I, I think that and any one game, anyone can win. But over a course of seven, L.A. is the more dangerous team. No doubt. Uh, another team, David, that uh, had a whew, horrific end to their season, the Dallas Mavericks. Um, that just, that dumpster fire. Uh, Luca is saying, like, everything's fine. Everything's okay. I don't believe that for a second. Yeah, he, um, he, he said exactly, I'm not looking to leave. I like it here. Right. Is that what he said? Yeah, yeah, yeah that was his yeah. statement, yeah. I'm not buying that for a second. Yeah. Kyrie refused to do his exit interview and not speak to the media. And this is not a jump on Kyrie thing. Again, he is like number 78 on on their list of like, what's wrong with that team? It ain't him, right? They got a lot of other problems. It's definitely not not him not talking to the media is not a problem. Right. Yeah, that's that's not the issue. Uh, We talked about this at some point. When do we hold Mark Cuban accountable for what is going on in Dallas, right? This is, you're the guy. You're the guy out in front, being in front on TV and doing all your things. You are the guy. You hired Jason Kidd, who we talked about this um, around the All-Star break when he made those comments about, I'm just here watching, and that drove you nuts. You're like, what do you mean you're just watching? Well, You're not listen, inspiring? You're not leading? He's right. He watched them lose a bunch of games, <laughs> right? They had a losing record with Kyrie, didn't they? Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah. And so who runs their team now? Uh, is it Nico? Nico Harrison, yes, the, the GM. Yep. From Nike. From Nike, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I know Nico. I, I haven't talked to him in probably 20, 20 years, but like that's not the same thing. Running a sneaker company no, for no. brand imaging or whatever he was right. doing. Ain't, ain't, selling sneakers ain't the same as winning basketball games. No. And uh, I am completely biased for sure. But as a lifelong uh, uh, basketball coach that spends countless hours and always has studying the game, studying players and trends and everything, uh, that is not good practice to make decisions to make your team better at basketball. You may learn budgeting things. You may learn trending things and marketing, whatever. This is a different animal than that. And so I'm not suggesting he can't do it. The evidence right now suggests that he can't. Right? It's not me, my opinion. It's what the game looks like here. It is a fucking mess. Yeah. More on that later. I have more to add to that later. And, and, you know, Cuban had came out last week with the comments about them not being able to re-sign Jalen Brunson. And to me, that was all smoke and mirrors and him signaling out there like, oh, it's not our fault we couldn't sign Jalen. His dad, Rick, got involved and we had no choice. It's like, dude, you could have offered more money because you owned his bird right. So you either did or you did not. Right. I don't know what the deal was there. I'm thinking he didn't. And the likelihood now is he's putting it out there. It's like, oh, no, it's not that we don't offer players contracts. We do. They just chose to do something different. He's trying to, like, you know, save face on this end. But players are smart. They talk to each other and they know. Who knows what they're saying about the Dallas Mavericks as an organization right now. But again, to me, not a good look for what the future holds in Dallas. Luke is a generational talent. And you don't figure out a way to maximize everything around him. And you have to. It's with every player, right, David? You know what their skill sets are, and you have to build the roster around what their skills are. He's not so great on defense. You better have some plus defenders and shooting around him, right? Like, you know the things to do. Figure it out and make it happen. They're not doing that right now. Yeah. Uh, listen, it's absolutely possible and maybe even probable, based on some reporting that we've done, that Jalen Brunson was going to go to New York no matter what. No, no matter what. what. You paid him. And so maybe it's true that you offered him, or maybe it's true you knew he would never accept it. Whatever. Like, this is the game you're in. It's a hard game. There's 2019 trying to beat your brains in. Uh, And some of them are well run. (laughs) Your team has made poor decision after poor decision, in my opinion, starting with your head coach. I realized that they made the conference finals last year. Congratulations. You won one game in the conference. I believe they they lost the Warriors in five. Yep. Memphis gave a better challenge. For sure. Um, You have a, a truly generational talent in Luka who is problematic, but the metrics are the metrics. He is extraordinary. And uh, I love Dwight Powell, but he's your starting center. Something's wrong. Not good. Yeah, something's wrong with hard, all those guys. They they need some real – they have a lot of work to do. They, they, it's possible to do it. They don't have a lot of good young assets either, which is a problem. Did they keep their pick or did they just lose it? They, they, were, they, they were top 10 protected. Yes, yes, yes. It's top 10 protected. So and we'll see. I did see, look they, to see. Because being that they're out now, they're they'll be they'll be in the they're in a lottery. So that they just they didn't make the plan. But they're they, a lottery team. I don't remember if they're I just I have so many stories here. The draft is not something I'm looking at, but I don't know if they finish tenth or eleventh in the regular season record. If they're eleventh, I think they keep it. If it's tenth, yeah. I think it's gone. Mm. Maybe to the Wizards. And and this is this is why it, it's not just the moves you make for the player today. As right. a GM, you gotta see the the move in front of me and the chessboard five years. You got to do it all in, at the same time. It's And as you said, it's fucking hard. Like, yeah. it's a really hard job. Right now, Mavs, not doing the job well. Yeah. The Wizards, if I understand this right, the Wizards got an all-NBA level player in Porzingis, the way he played this year. Mm-hmm. And, really well. and potentially a number 10 pick. 
That'll be yeah, rough, that's man. A if, they, if they lose, that is that is yeah, rough. I need, look, I need to look that up. Yeah. And when was the last time Dallas got a free agent, like a marquee free agent? Yeah. Well, they yeah they traded for Porzingis. Right. That someone signed there on their own. That they had uh, DeAndre Jordan. That didn't work out well. Right. That didn't work. He didn't stay. He didn't last there. Nope. Nope. He didn't sign there. Um, the funny story with um, Lamar Odom. Right. Yeah. 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 That was a disaster. I mean, we're we're going back, right? Yeah. I mean, no, no one marquee. So that that's also something to keep in mind. Like this idea of oh, we can clear cap space for who? Like who's going to be like, yeah, sign me up for that. First of all, yeah, we'll get into later the, some of these some of the things that celebrities and coaches and athletes can handle politically with states. We'll get to that later. <laughs> but I mean, Texas is like Florida right now. It's a fucked Jesus. up place. Disaster. All right, David, let's look at some playoff, a uh, play in, excuse yeah. me, matchups yeah. in the East, the eight and the seven, the Atlanta Hawks playing the Miami Heat. This is for the seven seed. Uh, the game is in Miami. So the winner of this is the seven seed. The loser plays the winner of the nine, 10 matchup for the eight seed. This is NCAA tournament style, right? It's single elimination. Yeah. So in the, anything can happen. If the Hawks hit a bunch of threes, Heat probably losing that game. Right, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's 48 minutes, not 40. So it's eight more minutes. Um, Miami, I think, has a stronger foundation. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Utah, Utah. Quinn Snyder's Utah teams rebounded well. He's made that impact in Atlanta. Uh, that's good. Um, Jimmy Butler's the best player on the court. Yeah, for sure. And that really matters to me. Spoh's the best coach. Spoh's the best coach, especially in the playoffs. Bam. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is very good. Uh, I'd favor Miami. I, I mean, I would never bet any of these games. It, they're, they're just <laughs> one and dones are so hard yeah. because of what you said. Like the variability of someone getting hot. Atlanta's got a bunch of good players. So do. And Miami can really struggle to score. Yes, they, they can, can really struggle to score. So, But I would, I would favor. I don't care that the home team so much. If there's a neutral side game, I'd favor Miami. So the winner of this has the envy or the unenviable task of playing the Boston Celtics in round one. Yippee! I will say this, if it is the Miami Heat, regardless of their struggles in the half court and this, that, and the third, I know for a fact that you know, they ain't going to be scared of no Boston Celtics. That's for damn sure. No, like they, the Celtics are better and have showed it all year, but Jimmy Butler will 100% go into that series being like, oh no, we can beat them. I, I agree. I think the same thing that if you are, if you are Boston, you want Atlanta to win. Mm, yeah, you want Atlanta to win. Yeah, you don't yeah. want to deal with Miami. They're yeah. just professional, and they play a lot of zone, and mm-hmm. they've and they got play some, hard. They, yeah, they really compete. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, quit, they, and they've been around with Spo for a while, mm-hmm. whereas Snyder's kind of you know still kind of new. Mm-hmm. I guarantee he doesn't know his way around Atlanta all that well. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've seen Trey Young be the man. We we have, and we can't forget that. Mm-hmm. Um, Miami will have a plan for him. It doesn't mean it'll work. You know, they're not low. They're not great at stopping guards. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. It'll be it'll be good to watch. That battle for the eight spot is always interesting because you got to play two games. So Bulls at Raptors, right? The winner of that plays the loser of the game we just mentioned. So first, let's start with Toronto. Some strange things happening out of out of the land up north. Nick Nurse might be want to go on a sabbatical. Like, oh, I don't know what's happening over there. The Bulls. You know, the Lonzo Ball thing, I think, really hurt so, them all so year. sad. Yeah, and his career now, I don't know what's going to happen to this kid um, because he's still young. He's, what, 23 maybe? No, he's older than that. 
Okay, but he's but not thirty. He, he might be twenty-five. Right, he yeah. ain't thirty. Yeah, and no, this is this is sad, right? But anyway, so but Zach Levine's playing like an all-star. DeRozan's been good all year. Patrick Williams is coming along. Yeah. Like, so this could be a. The, I can see the Bulls winning this for I sure. Can definitely see them winning this game for sure. Oh, absolutely, they could. I think it's in Chicago, isn't it? Uh, Am I wrong? Check. It is. No, it's at Toronto. Because Toronto's Toronto. a nine. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Chicago's 10. Okay. So mm-hmm. that's right. Toronto was hoping to be a 7-8. They just lost a couple of games late. Um, yeah, I think Toronto's better with Pirtle. They have a mm-hmm. yeah, kind of looks sure. like a more normal team. Um, it's weird that I think Nick's gone. And I think oh, everyone, you think he's I, out? You think he's I think so. I think they think that. Oh. And uh, so... It's gonna. It's just an awkward. It's just these are. So you know you're. You know you're playing for a lame duck coach. It's like well. What yeah, are, these are two. Te- I mean they'll want to win, but these are two teams that I thought would be better this year. Chicago has an excuse. The Raptors really mm-hmm. don't. Yeah. This is a failure on management and coaching to not bring that team together faster. Uh, you knew they needed a center. You waited so long, and you kind of lost another season. Pascal had an All NBA level year. Yeah. OG, all, all defense. All defense. Yeah. yeah. Scotty Barnes came around having a very good second half of the second season. They got a lot of talent there. Uh, the Bulls, I think, are playing better. It's going to, I think, those, I think the games will be really good. Yeah. Yeah. They, no guarantee they will be. All these teams are capable of sucking. <laughs> well, that's why they are where they are in the yeah, standings, right? Exactly. Because, <laughs> yeah. Um, back to Toronto really quick. Do you think, okay, so if Nurse goes on sabbatical and like, you know, they're talking like, and we'll get to this in a minute. He could be a head coach possibility candidate somewhere else in the NBA. Yeah. Do they not blow it up? Or do they kind of hit some reset button? Does OG get sent somewhere? If, that, if you, it's a great question. If you don't think a particular player likes it there, it's not just because of Nick, um, then I would trade. So, for example, if OG was just miserable in Toronto for whatever reason, he has a lot of value. Trade him. Yeah, he does. If that's not the case and you think it's more coach-driven, I, I think that they finished two years in a row, they finished strong. Not as strong as they needed to, especially this year, but definitely better once they got Pirtle. So mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't blow it up just yet. Uh, they need a point guard. They need a backup point guard. They're going to start Freddie at the one. Mm-hmm. I would bring Freddie off the bench. And I said this from day one. Um, and they needed a center. They got their center. Got, got now I need a point guard, I think, and and a little more depth. Their bench sucked, and that's management's fault. So maybe it is the bones, because the bones of a, of a very good team are, are, is there. Yeah. This summer, your boy, Scotty Martz, he has got to, this summer, I know you, you, you yeah. said, you look, you look, I don't know, last year, but, yeah. it, but it looks like he played a lot of basketball this summer. Yeah. Like he developed this game. He's got to do the development this summer. To be yeah. ready, come he's got to make a bigger jump he, again. He finished, I think, his last game or so. He had a really big game. He, um, he just wasn't as good as he needs to be, so can't shoot. Um, but yeah, they've got your what well, you said is right. Their foundation is built to be a 50 win team, not a 60 win team, but a 50 win team. Scotty's got to make a big jump, which is possible in year three. We've seen it a lot, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, if Siakam just can stay the course, now they got mm-hmm. two studs like that. OG also can make another jump, right? Mm-hmm. And and they have those three wings that every team wants and needs. You got You got the big you want now. Pirtle's a good player. You got to pay him. And then you got to find much more guard help and and backup help. You have Gary Trent too, who's a solid player, obviously, who has value. If you want to trade him, that's an option too. So you, maybe you haven't thought about it, but if Nurse is gone, who would you like to see there? Who do you think would be a good fit to kind of get this thing turned around? Assuming that management does the right thing with the roster and get the pieces they need. So. I, li- I think franchises that develop 
their assistant coaches to take over when their head coach either has to leave or just decides he wants something else, maybe move into management, whatever. And so Earl Watson, who's been a head coach before in Phoenix, did not go well at all, but that was the Robert Sarver Phoenix mm-hmm. team. Mm-hmm. I'm not holding anyone to blame for that garbage. <laughs> uh, my understanding is he's well-respected mm-hmm. by the players there. He's a no-nonsense guy. People that I try, I don't know, Earl, people that I know swear by his basketball IQ, his overall knowledge and feel for the game. And so I would first like to see him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, I mean, just because he was a Knicks top assistant doesn't mean the team was run the way he'd want to run it. Right. I would want to, I don't really think the interviews typically go, I don't think there's a lot of meaning to interviews. I think it's a bunch of bullshit mostly, <laughs> but I would want from him, what would you, you, you were here. What would you have done differently? That's the most valuable interview of all. How would you have coached differently this year, holding players accountable? What, what do we run that's different? Um, and then I would speak, if I was Messiah, I would speak to my team, my best players. How, how do you think the team responds to Earl? And if they say, oh, we like him, I give it a, I give it a chance. Yeah, if you liked his, if you liked his interview. I, I love that, David. And, you know, as a, uh, a player development coach and someone who talks to NBA players, NBA assistants, you talk to all these people all day long. The job of an NBA head coach, though, is kind of multiple hats at once, right? It's X's and O's. It's accountability. It's part psychology. You're it's you're doing a lot of different yeah. things, and yeah. so, you know, as a head coach, what what are the qualities you think are the most important for you to have? I, oh wait, knowing you so well, I think I know what the first ones you're going to say is humility is number one. I wouldn't have said that, but you're right. <laughs> you're right. I, I think this is where I think coaches fail the most is we we have an incredible lack of the communication going on in the NBA now. I know this firsthand. Um, that's got to change. There's got, I, I don't, I think some coaches do a great job. I think we've talked about this. I read somewhere, maybe someone told us, I don't remember who we even heard that uh, the OKC head coach was having breakfast mm-hmm. with Chet yep. once a week. Yep. I love that shit. That's I awesome. really, I really like that. Um, that's not happening much. I, I had, I have a story that just happened the other day where a player told me he had fallen out of the rotation. I think the coaches were wrong, but it's the way it goes. Days go by. No one says a word to him. He just never plays at all. And then he runs into his head coach in an elevator. And the, and the coach says, hey, you know, really great job being professional. I know you're frustrated, but I really greatly appreciate how professional you've been. And the player called me and I said, he couldn't fucking tell you in person. Every day he saw you at practice. How about let's have coffee. Let's have dinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was you ran into me in an elevator mm-hmm. and had no choice but to say right. something to me. Yeah, That's a coward to me. Yeah. Or it's just yeah. an uncomfortable guy. Uh, this is the way it goes. And a lot of these coaches kiss the ass of these superstars. They're afraid to coach them. I understand why they're afraid of them. That doesn't mean it's good. It's not a good thing. We we don't have a, a good communication. That's one thing. You've got to be innovative as a coach. You always have to be pressing the right buttons. You've got to get guys to really want to compete for you. You've got to put together good game plans. I think player development's a really big deal that you oversee with other people doing it. I uh, When you say humility, that to me means my idea don't have, doesn't have to be the right one. I want to get better at defensive rebounding. Here's my plan. Let's go around the room. Who's got their other plans? And I'm going to pick the best one, not just mine. You can even ask your best players, too, what they think. That's that's a form of humility, too. And it's to do all that, right? That means having top assistants and other people on your bench and on your staff who theoretically could take your job. Yeah. But you've got to be secure enough in who you are to not be worried about that, right? And no, no. 
I want what's best for us to win, not what's best for me, which you always say, right? Are we doing it for me or for we? Yeah. Right. And it's coaches have it, the human, time. right? Happens yeah. to them too, just like for players. Really interesting. I'll be curious to see how that all plays out yeah. um, in, in Toronto. I agree. All right, let's move to the Western Conference plan. We talked about it a little bit. Uh, Timberwolves at the Lakers. Look, the Lakers have been hot lately. 21 and 11, if I'm not mistaken, in their last 32 games. Don't quote me directly, but they, they've been above 500 for sure. Um, better better defense for sure. Way, way better defense. Like top yeah. three in the league defense. Offense, they still struggle a yeah. bit, but their defense turns in turns them into offense. So they, they won a championship that way. And do, and do some things. So they won the championship. You believe, especially with this fractured Minnesota team coming in, that that they can win this game at home easy and be the seventh seed, which means they're going to Memphis to take on my Grizzlies in the first round. And I think they can win that series too. <laughs> oh no, we'll talk about that on Thursday. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think LA. Um, I mean, the bottom line is they want to win by one, but they can build some momentum, some swagger. They they need some of that. They, they are defending, um, and that makes a big difference. And Austin Reeves has been excellent. Um, you know, the, the Ruby Hachimura pickup. Like, that, the Malik pieces Beasley. all make sense. Malik but, oh, Beasley. Yeah. Firecracker off the bench can shoot yeah. it. Like, I mean, this is... Oh, D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> I think they're 8-0. No. I think with the big three he played, him being the third one, I think they're 8-0. No. And look, I know people love to crap on D'Angelo Russell. For I do I like reasons. him. He was an all-star in this league. Like, I like right? him. He's a very... Look, he was a top... Was he a top... Dude, two pick, top number two pick? Number two pick. Right, for a reason, right? Yeah. He's very, very good. Yeah. Um. This is look. This they will be a tough team, no doubt. Look, uh, we'll talk about it if they play Memphis. I still like Memphis because they've been better all season long. But that that will be a a, a fun series. And then Minnesota, if they lose, they get the nine ten, which is Pels and Oklahoma City Thunder. We loved Oklahoma City all year because Mark Daniel. We just talked about they run stuff on both ends of the floor. Those guys compete hard. They shoot a ton of threes. So if they make 25 threes that night they're beating the Pels. sorry like yeah new over. orleans offense is, is is suspect they do have brandon ingram uh who oh, was the way shea is playing he's the best player on the court in a lot of games but i don't know if he's better than brandon it's close like it's they're both really playing well uh new orleans plays better defense and has been mm-hmm. playing better they do um it's a connected group i just saw them when i was in denver recently mm-hmm. but uh, yeah if any one game the way okc drives and kicks and shea is so unguardable the, the, between Herb Jones and Dyson Daniels, that's two guys that, that are good defenders. Dyson's only good. a rookie. He'll get called mm-hmm. for fouls. But they can make it tougher. Valanciunas Herping, can Herping really – guard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Valanciunas can have a, a field day in the paint, I think, also. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon's such – OKC is not got anyone that can really stay with mm-hmm. him. He's no. got to shoot well. Yeah. And then, and then Alvarado uh, he, off the bench, he, right? he has been out. I don't know if he's uh, yeah. back yet. Did I he come if he's back? Be back for the for the yeah. he hasn't, I haven't seen him play yet. I don't yeah, know what he was out. I haven't is. looked. I haven't looked. They play tomorrow night. It'll be fast. Speaking of um, injury status, um, Zion Williamson. Uh, it came out he will not be playing in the playing game. Uh, you saw him in in yeah. Denver, and you talked about like he just doesn't look right physically no. yet. Look, I saw this tweet that got put out the other day. In four seasons, he's played 118 of a possible 308 games, something of that nature. And they just signed him to a rookie max extension. Guys, it, it, if you're at New Orleans, you've got to be concerned. You're David Griffin. You're 100% concerned about your franchise superstar, right? When you pay a guy that much and you do them the rookie max extension, it's because when he plays, he's really good. You're like, this is a multiple MVP candidate. Matter of fact, Coach David Thorpe said, Zion, MVP. 
And if he played, he certainly would be an MVP candidate. Fact is, he's not playing. And that's just, in a salary cap league, if he is not able to play games, that's a $40 million anchor you have just sitting on your roster that you, you can't just move it. Yeah, It's there. Yeah, yeah, it's a... Uh... It's just sad. He's such a good player. We've got a lot of figuring out to do. Um, uh, It's possibly a good return for the playoffs. He was just so out of shape when I saw him. Um, I'm not surprised they said, you know, we've had a setback in a sense. I think the setback was he just isn't close to being ready. Um, God, I'd love to see him and Ingram together, wouldn't you? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) For a long period of time. Because when he was was there to start the year, Brandon was out. Mm -hmm. I don't think they played together this year. Maybe maybe a couple games. Not a lot. Yeah. No, I mean, we predicted – that would be the team. Oh, it could be Memphis, like Memphis was last year. Yep. If they if they stayed healthy, but uh, we were right. It was Zion. I think they would have been. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's so that'll be interesting to see. All right, guys, uh, we will be back after a quick commercial break. This episode of True Hoop is brought to you by BetterHelp. Hey guys, Gerard from True Hoop here. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do? It's a hell of a question. Would you maybe go for a run, take a nap, read a book, or maybe show up for a friend? Now, depending on the day, any one of those would be a great idea. Most of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Now, I've been open in the past with you guys about this. I see a personal therapist as well as a couple therapist for my partner and I. And both are extremely helpful in developing positive coping skills and learning how to set boundaries. Therapy empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash TrueHoop today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash TrueHoop. All right, David, you sent an interesting tweet in our TrueHoop group chat about, uh, you know, a fairly decent scorer. You might have heard of him called Kevin Durant. Um, He had an excellent year despite only playing 47 games. Um, He has a 67.7% true shooting percentage this year, which is a career high for him. And it is the highest in league history for players with a usage percentage of at least 30%. So for all that, for all you people who are like, what the fuck do all these numbers mean? He has possessions a lot, which means he shoots a lot, but he makes a lot of shots. That is incredible. And, and, right? free, th- and free throws. And free throws. Because most, a lot of people who are volume guys don't are not high true shooting. Listen, sorry, Kobe fans. True shooting numbers, Kobe ain't high on that. Yeah, volume you, guy. 60 and higher is a very, very good number. He's at 67. So. 60, I mean, that's just... Listen, everyone knows how much I love Kevin Durant on this podcast. Um, to me, forget about like numbers of like who's done what in the history of NBA. To me, in my many years watching the game, and I started watching in 85, uh, NBA Finals, Lakers and Celtics, the best scorer of the basketball I've ever seen in my life. And yeah, I saw prime Michael Jordan. Kevin Durant can just do more things in more ways. Sorry. Like, that's just how I feel about it. Um, he's incredible. He's so efficient. And Phoenix, David, you know, they're just kind of ho-humming along. They got Clippers in the first round. We'll talk about that on Thursday. But Clippers with no Paul George might be a nice way to ease into the postseason. 
And what they have to do with Kawhi Leonard. And, uh, yeah. Speaking of someone who's also elite at shooting the basketball, it's Kawhi yeah. Leonard. <laughs> yeah. Kevin, Kevin, uh, Ke- you know, if Jordan was seven feet tall, he'd be like that now. Yes. Where where he doesn't have to rely on athleticism quite as much, which he didn't as he got older. Mm-hmm. Um, just a shot maker, playmaker, Durant is. It's just a it's just a cheat code for playoffs. Uh, of those thirty all time true shooting seasons, uh, the best in league history, Durant owns six of them. Six, wow, that's pretty good. That's, that's pretty good. He's a pretty good player. He's <laughs> amazing. Yeah, I think they do have a nice little. Uh, I, I really right now I pick them to get to the finals. Yeah, so it's interesting. I I mentioned I was at the Philly game, uh, the the Nets Sixers game on 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 Sunday, and I asked Jock after the game. So you got a week off. You know who your opponent's going to be. How do you handle not letting your guys fat's not the right word, but you know what I mean. Not letting them get fat because they're not playing. Versus we got to stay sharp and conditioned. We want to maintain injury. And like he really thought about it. He was like, it's a balance. Like we have a plan. He's like, we're going to err on the side of caution as it relates to scrimmaging because I, we don't want to go. F- Hard two times, somebody bangs knees, now we're screwed, right? So yeah. it's this tough kind of balance you got to play here. How hard do we practice this week? If you were a coach and you have a week off with an older team especially, even a young team, how hard are you practicing this week? Yeah, I'd be, I I would go hard some, but less competitively. I would I would work on five-on-zero type stuff at pace, and keep, yeah. keep our conditioning, our fitness level up. Mm-hmm. Yesterday in the Kings game, uh, Devontas went down hard. Mm-hmm. And I, don't know, I don't know if he caught a, uh, like a, a pop to the pills. To the, to the stomach, but he went down and looked like he was hurt. He was fine, but he, he was down for a bit. They had to call timeout. And then I saw Mike Brown spot. I realized, okay, he must have stood up and he stood up <laughs> he and he was fine. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, there's a risk there. I, you got to be careful if you're Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. So for sure, all these teams this week, they're going to, the ones that are off, they're going to definitely, the main thing for them, the ones in their matchups are, they're going to go over and drill hard what our game plan is, right? Like, who, who we're keying on, what the assignments are, all those things. And yeah, yeah you're going to have to keep your conditioning up because not playing basketball for the, for the Sun starters, David, Thursday of last week was the last time they played a game. Yeah. So that'll be 10 days without playing basketball. Yeah. But that's where Durant and Kyrus Paul really help. They'll get you wherever you want. Yes. Yeah. But you got to go game speed in your workouts, even without competition. And you can simulate that pretty good, I think. Yeah, for sure. All right. With the play-in and playoffs here, David, officiating uh, is something that's going to be a hot topic. And I was thinking about this um, analytic, uh, not analy- anecdotally. It seemed to me this season that more players were just outright calling out officials for what they believed to be some shenanigans. And of course, the most famous ones being Fred Van Vliet, uh, Rudy Gobert, right? Just literally, and uh, Scotty Barnes, right? Calling into a, a question the referee's integrity. Are yeah. you cheating me yeah. out of this game? They're not calling him blind. They're right. saying you're cheating. You're cheating me, which that's a that's an accus- that's a strong accusation. Yeah. And with the postseason coming, I'm listen, I'm just waiting for the first player that's because someone's gonna a game's gonna come down to something. A player doesn't leave a foul call. They're gonna scream to the holy heavens. The league's gonna find them, of course, but it's gonna happen. And I'm just what are you thinking about when it comes to the playoffs, playing and officiating? Yeah, I watched the Knicks game yesterday and I thought it was like an AAU game. It, it, you have to be a basketball U guy to know what I mean. These referees are calling 10, 12, 14 straight games a day. There's not a lot of fouls being called. You had to really <laughs> learn to play tough. Yeah. And meanwhile, my son for most time was this tiny little kid until he really grew. And that was it wasn't fair for him. But this is how it was. I don't blame the referees. I blame the, the managers, the people who run the events, charging all this money for parents and then not want to pay the referees anything. So um 
I, I'm the what you said is right. The, the the image of NBA referee is a little bit suspect right now, more so than I think most years. And so I've also noticed a lot of delayed calls, which is not something I've seen in the NBA that I can ever remember. It is something very common I've seen in college over the years. And I've had refs even tell me they did that. They wanted to make sure there was real impact on the play so they could speed up the play. I've seen that in the NBA this year like never before. This is a chance for the NBA player, NBA referees to kind of change that narrative. And let, let's hope after round one, round two, going to the finals where people have said, you know what, we haven't had a controversy yet. They've been super sharp. And so it's on them. I pro- if whoever's in charge of them should be doing a pep talk like it's their own, like they're playing a game. Like, well, let's be on it. Let's manage these games. Let's be consistent for four quarters. A foul is a foul. A, foul, a, a non-foul is a non-foul. No matter who does it, no matter what the time, time and score context is. Let them play. Don't let them play. Just be consistent all the way through so teams can adjust. Players can adjust individually, which does happen all the time. And I hope that they can turn that around. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it would be really unfortunate to mar what we think is going to be a great playoffs with yep. questions about this. And look, Adam and the league don't want this. Like this, no, this is, They not. don't want this. No, so, they have safeguards in place, just not really great safeguards. Yeah. Like having the, the, the fox guard the hen house, so to speak. <laughs> No, for sure. So we 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 hope that um that that's not really a, a point of issue this this postseason. Um, you know we we're kind of in the prediction business. You know, David's a smart guy. He did say it's gonna be a lot of parody this season. He was right. Um, we didn't do a running tally on every prediction David made, but I would venture to say probably seven out of ten times he's right about most things this season. But there are some things that surprised us this season that we we're like, holy hell, I didn't see that coming. Uh, so we just picked a couple of things we thought were. Just wow, <laughs> came out of nowhere. So for you, what was your first one? Uh, so I'll, uh, I'll okay, we'll go back and forth. So the first we've talked about both that I'm going to say now. It was uh, Toronto's complete inability to be any good. Mm. I, I mm. really thought they could be terrific this year. I knew Siakam put in a lot of work in the offseason. Scotty Barnes is a huge talent. OG has an edge about him. I've a I've been a big fan and believer in Nick Nurse. Mm-hmm. I was wrong. It, he he did not do a good job. They have major flaws there. Besides my friend, but they they did not put when they didn't when they went to the season without a real point guard backup. I thought, well, either they know something I don't know, or I know something they don't realize yet. Well, I was right on that, but I did not expect that to happen. I thought they'd win forty seven games. I wrote, mm-hmm. um, I don't know what they won, but it wasn't that. Maybe forty, forty one, something like that. And so, yeah, that surprised me. Yeah, uh, for me, my first one was the Knicks. I didn't think they were going to be bad. I think I figured somewhere around five hundred. They're very good. Like they, Tough. they have an identity. Yep. They know what they do. Listen, we, we know we have our Tibbs quibbles, and we've said them a million times on this show. But those crew, he has his his team playing hard. Mitchell Robinson's been excellent. He Quickly has. and Grimes have been really good. Yep. Jalen Brunson, of course, has been a revelation Game changer. And as much as the profile of the Cavaliers suggests they are a better team, poised for a deep playoff run, that first round series against the Knicks is not going to be a cakewalk. We're thinking six or seven games between those two teams, assuming health, of course, and nobody twists an ankle or whatever. But uh, it, it's the the Knicks have been really, really a surprise this year. And maybe David, they did some player development. Maybe some guys developed. I mean, either I on think, their own or something I, yeah, happened. I think they're a well-run team now. I do. I think they've done a good job. And and uh, yeah, they. I, I think I only had them winning low forties, so they outdid me. Um, mm-hmm. All right, second surprise. We talked about them too. Uh, Dallas's 
complete demise. Mm-hmm. Like Luca is such a generational player for them to not make the playoffs in a bad West is indicative of something pretty significant. I did not see that happening at all. I mean, they went to the conference finals last year. Why wouldn't you see that? Right. I mean, like it doesn't make any sense. Now granted they did. Well, they lost Brunson and I should have realized that's a bigger loss than it was. It, it, the yeah. Brunson loss is huge and they get demerited David for not figuring out that we lost. Yep. Right. To, what was your, what was your plan for losing right. Brunson? Right. There was none. And something's wrong when uh, you bring in Kyrie and you get worse. It's not Kyrie's fault what happened there. Correct. Um, something's rotten in Dallas. Yeah, we, and we talked about it. it yeah. Mark, Mark Cuban's got to do some, some soul searching about what he wants to do with yeah. the direction of this team. Um, the other one for me that surprises a general thing, but I'll specific a key in on one player. Uh, you know, when you do a podcast with David Thorpe for as many pods as I have, you start thinking like a player development coach and you realize, yeah, it's about environments and, and systems and seeing what players do. Maybe this team only asked them to do one thing because that's right. all they wanted them to do. Right. Guys can flourish in other places. Boy, oh boy. Mikel Bridges in his time in Phoenix, I think had two 30 point games in his career. 11 already with Brooklyn amazing. as a number one option. Amazing. Uh, and he's an efficient scorer. I mean, he's not, but dare I say KD light, right? Like in, 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 in the way he plays it's listen, they're so happy with him in Brooklyn. Uh, Sean Marks loves him. He's an iron man plays every game. Although you know how I feel about that. That has a tax at some point yeah. and he might experience it come the postseason. Yeah. Um, and the other thing he's going to experience in the postseason, David is all right. You're the number one option in regular season where we don't really scout. Cool. Well, now we know you're the, you're the scoring option come the postseason. We're going to design to take you away. That is the, that's the evolution that number one options have to go through, right? Okay. Now we know you're number one, everybody's scouting sheet. Okay. Still be the best, despite that we're gunning for you. And we'll see if, if he passes that test. Yeah. We always talk about that to our players that when you, when you move up to the scouting report, if you can maintain your efficiency and production, you're, you're a real player. I, a real score anyway. <laughs> you're, you're like an MVP candidate, right? Like you're, well, you're all just, NBA. You're, or or all-star. Like yeah. depends on what your production efficiency is. But right. um, if you're just a three-point shooter and they take that away and you're nothing, okay, you have a role. But but he's doing more than that. So yeah. we'll find out in the postseason. I think he'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a tough yeah. matchup for them, but I think he'll be fine. Yeah, I, I think we'll we'll do that playoff matchup yeah. on Thursday. I, I can see them winning a game or two in that series. Yeah. You know, especially with, and we'll talk about this on Thursday. We're not sure what Harden's health is. Let's put it this way. Nobody is. He ain't 100% right now. Right. So that's something to to definitely keep keep an eye on. Um, Okay. There are a couple things uh, happening we want to get to. But first, Greg Popovich. Listen, they're in the Victor Wembanyama sweepstakes. So, you know, they're they're hoping the lottery balls. I hope he ends up there. Do you think Detroit's a a well-run franchise? Uh, I I actually like Detroit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. I, I, I don't know how well run it is, but I don't think it's terrible. They've had bad luck with Cade. Okay. Um, Killian Hayes has improved. I think he's a solid player now. Uh, I like Jaden Ivey. I think he got better. Yeah. Uh, I think um, they got Wiseman. They got Chimo- uh, Bagley. Like, Imagine if they get Victor, because they're going to take Victor with the first yeah, pick. Yeah, they're not for sure. Not 100% he goes number one. Ooh, yeah, boy. yeah. Some guys will get moved probably at that point. But yeah, I wouldn't, I like hate, him. I wouldn't hate him going there. No. All right. So, Pop. Uh, Used his uh, final post game presser um, on Sunday to talk about what's going on with gun laws. Um, and you, I know this, it's near and dear to everybody who has a conscience, right? And who's, yeah. who's a human being, or at least it should be, or, 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 as their fellow citizens being under attack. But as a, 
a husband of a wife who's a school teacher and children who are in college, whenever you hear a lockdown, I'm sure it like for a moment, you're like, shit, what's happening? Yep. I check my phone first to make sure I didn't miss a text from my wife or my kids. And I coach a lot of people over the country that are playing in college and know a lot of people on campuses. Mm -hmm. And so sadly, this is the state of America now. So my only thing I want to talk about is I've been waiting for this. Pop does it. Steve Kerr does it. We need more people to do it. Mm-hmm. We, we did it during Black Lives Matter to some degree. Mm-hmm. We need to do it about guns. Uh, I think we should do it about a, a, a women's rights too. The NBA has a chance to flex real muscles here. I'd like to see Adam Silver lead a charge. I'd like to see billionaires lead a charge of like the way the Hawks open up their arena mm-hmm. in the 2020 election maybe. Mm-hmm. I'd, like to, uh, I'd like to see more of them speaking about on if we're not, if we're not a hospitable place for women and anyone that does want to get shot um, I mean, how, how could you even express displeasure if, if someone cuts me in line? In Florida, we have an open carry now. I have no idea if they have a gun. What am I supposed to do then? Yeah. So you got to keep your, it's just, yeah, it's, it's just bad. And so I love, Pop really lost it in a good way. Yeah. Like we need, yeah. we need more of that, I think. Players and no. coaches and executives and billionaires. 100%. Like it, it, this, what, what we've devolved to as a society is just, it's not, it's not pretty people. It yeah. really is not. A um, couple news and notes before we do something special to end the show. Uh, Dwayne Casey, speaking of the Pistons, uh, will not be head coach next season. He will move upstairs into a front office role. You know, grinding every day coaching is hard I'm so hard glad for him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I yeah. think that's good for Detroit. Yeah. I imagine you need a young player development guy with, with this team. You know? Oh, you're <laughs> So, well, Houston, well you- Houston fired their coach, too. Yes, correct. Steven Silas also will not be back. Very young. And they need a young player development coach yeah. as well. Yeah, this is my chance to always preach on um, on uh, Ryan Pannone, the assistant mm-hmm. coach for the Pelicans, mm-hmm. who's probably the best player development guy out there in the world. Um, he's in demand for sure. I can't go into details, but he's in demand. The Pelicans know he's in demand at uh, lots of different places. And uh, it would take some brave uh, – I've had an owner offer me a head job for this reason. And his team wasn't a young team, but he said, if what we, if he said to me, if we keep developing our players as good as they are now, they'll just get better. And he's like, you can find other people to help you do X and O's. And he didn't really know my X and O experience, which is you know pretty extensive anyway. Um, for these young teams, like someone needs to teach them how to play, how to develop their skills, how to be professionals, whatever. He'd be amazing. He won't be, he's not the only one. He probably knows better than me who else will be out there. And we'll see if you ask you ask me the question, how well runs Detroit? We'll find out. How well is Houston? We'll find out. We'll find out who they hire. It, 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 <laughs> OKC got it right. Billy yeah. Donovan went to Chicago. He's a very good coach. Daniel's it, been excellent. He's been OKC. terrific. So they need to do something like that. Willie Green's been good in New Orleans too. Trey Murphy's gotten better. Alvarado got Trey better. Murphy, yeah, he's had some bad luck with Zion's injuries, but it's not Willie's fault. Sam Presti in OKC, he might know what he's doing. He, he might, does. Right, he might. He, he might know a thing or two. <laughs> he does. Uh, all right, David. I know this is one. This was very special for you. Uh, day yesterday, Jonas uh, Haslam, twenty-year NBA veteran. His career uh, has come to an end. Uh, his playing career. His playing career. Yes, uh, it's, it's come to an end. Uh, I think Bam gifted him a, a rocking chair, <laughs> reminiscent of what when Kareem was on his retirement tour. <laughs> twenty years. Chairs. He also yeah. scored twenty-four points. Yes, yes. he might be the oldest guy. At- to ever score 42 in league history. I mean, listen, it's him that, or Kareem. That, that skyhook was still very difficult it's, to stop. It's one or the other. Advantage. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but Udonis, of course, to those of you who listen to us and who have listened to Coach Thorpe for years, is so important because 
Udonis is David's first NBA client ever. Um, and they have a special, special relationship. So I know yesterday was emotional for you. I know you and UD are going to connect uh, sometime soon and, uh, you know, share some laughs and some good times. I hope so. I, I have a great affection for Udonis. I haven't talked to him in a long time. He's busy with his things in Miami. Uh, he knows I'm a fan. I've tweeted him here and there. I know he follows me on Twitter, but we haven't talked. I, I've heard he always says nice things to people who know me. <laughs> we, we, in a sense, got our NBA start together. He was, he was an undrafted player that played a year in France. Uh, graduated college at 21 as the winningest Gator at that point of all time. 90-some-odd wins in four years. Won two state championships. His team was back-to-back runner-up from the national championship in high school. Went, went to the final cha- championship game in his second year in college. A winner. He had the second best efficiency game to Bill Walton's 21 and 22 against mm. Memphis State when he went like 10 of 11 or whatever against Michigan State. They lost the game, but he was great. Yeah, he's a winner. And look what he's done in Miami. Uh, one of the highest IQ men I've ever met with basketball. He's the only guy I've ever seen that is ready for an NBA head coaching job right now. I have no idea what he's going to do because he's a successful businessman. But I, I see him now with the gray beard and the gray hair. <laughs> like this boy was 22 when I first started. He was just, I was young. He was very young. And um, God, he just was so competitive and so thoughtful and so earnest in his training. Um, I had him for two summers and uh, I just, I love him. I have so much respect for him. I told him he called me after they won their world championship game, uh, game the clinching championship game against the Mavericks in 06, I think it was. He played really well in the final game. I had just seen him in Miami the week before working him out. And he, first thing he said to me is, how my shot look? I'm like, who cares, man? You're a champion. <laughs> and I told him, and from now on, when I see him, I'll call you a champ. Mm-hmm. And so, but now the reason I want to bring it up is, you know, yes, amazing career. He'll do whatever he wants to do. I'm sure he'll have a job in basketball forever. The NBA would probably love to hire him as an ambassador. Um, he wouldn't be my first former student that's an ambassador for the league. And because he really represents all the, the right things. Uh, I'd love to see him make the Hall of Fame with this mm-hmm. art idea. Like he's a non-all-star, never close probably to be an all-star. Yet look what he has accomplished. If we're really going to value winning, then we have to look at guys that impacted winning and culture towards winning. Shaq said publicly, we don't win in 06 without you. He was a starting power forward, so it's not that hard to say. But he's such a big part of that. I'd love to see the Hall of Fame start considering that and not just who has the best, the best numbers, biggest numbers, because he was always about we. Always about we. And uh, a much better player as a playmaker, much better passer than people realized. Stan Van Gundy ran a high-low offense with him and Shaq that was super effective. He couldn't have done it. Udonis couldn't feed the post the way he could. He really understood how to play, a huge heart. And uh, I'd love to see him be in the Hall of Fame for that. I love that. Shout out to Udonis Haslam. Uh, lifelong Miami Heat, right? Played his entire career for one franchise. It's, you know, it's a rare thing these days. Um, and I know fans love to see that. And re- I mean, really, for Udonis, Coach, he... Miami guy's whole right. He's Florida South Florida guy's whole life. He lived. A, he grew up in Miami. He spent some time in Jacksonville. Went back to Miami for high school. Played for the Gators in Gainesville, which is four and a half hours up the road. Back down to Miami for twenty straight years. He's only played one year out of Florida, and that was in France, Shalone, France, for a year. That's it. Um, he is Mr. Miami. They introduced him as Mr. Miami. He'd be the mayor, probably be governor of our state. Not that he'd want to be. Yeah, his story is pretty incredible. No, it's awesome. Shout out to Donis Haslam on a great co- a playing career. Um, you know, the Heat 
still alive, you know, as, as we mentioned, we'll see how far they go um, uh, the rest of the season after, after the plan. They, they, they win their games and move forward. And on Thursday, guys, we will break down the playoff matchups that are at hand. Um, we won't know who the one seats play yet, uh, but David and I, a little preview for you. It doesn't matter who the Bucks play in the East. In, in, in the East, it may matter one. in the West. It may matter in the West, but so let's just say we expect the Bucks to win that series pretty handily and advance to the conference semifinals. Uh, but we'll we'll figure out who who might uh, who might the Nuggets play uh, in round one, which which could could be dangerous if it is the Lakers. All right, guys. Until Thursday, take care.